0: Welcome to the Fibery Goodness Tiny Studio Magazine Podcast Tiny Talks with your hosts Arlene Thayer, yoga teacher, spinner, knitter extraordinaire and all-round wise person and myself Susie Brown aka Woolwench, passionate fibre artist and owner-publisher of indie magazine Tiny Studio Creative Life. Join us as we chat about all the behind the scenes at the magazine, creative projects we're working on, life and fibre hacks and just like in our magazine content Ways to boost your creativity and maximise your moments of fibre art inspiration. Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Tiny Studio, Tiny Talks Podcast. Um, Today Arlene and I are going to be talking about something dear to my heart and it's a little bit like to me it's this idea of you you go to a movie and the happy ending at the end they get married and everybody lives happily ever after. Um, our subject today is a little bit like what happens after that. Uh, we're talking about finishing the yarns. So what happens when you've finished spinning your yarn or you've finished knitting a project? What do you do with it then? How are you going to live happy ever after with your finished yarn? What do you think, Arlene? Is it is it a bit of a happy ever after story for you? <laughs> it's all over the map. <laughs> I would first, although, like to
1: acknowledge that it's been a really long time since we've been together doing this, and I don't know how long it's been, but time really got away from us, and it just seemed difficult to
0: circle back around, but we promised to be better and more diligent. Busy time. Well, in my defense, we actually got an extra issue of Tiny Studio out to the printers in that time, because we're trying to catch up a little bit and get, get our shipping back a bit further, so we can start shipping earlier, so... Uh, I was pretty busy with that, but I think everything should be back to normal now. Yep. bit of luck.
1: So, yes, um, finishing, which what we're talking about is some form of wet finishing or not, if you're in the not camp, versus embellishment, versus beating something or... Embroidering something. No, we're talking we're going to talk of, about
0: thwacking. We're going
1: to talk about thwacking. <laughs> so we're going to actually cover three main areas. We're going to talk about yarn first. We're going to talk about knitwear. And then we're going to talk about weaving. So uh, there's a little bit little bit to say on all those topics. But first, I would just want to say that we're really focusing on wool and hair fibers today. Yeah, protein And fibers. not... Yeah. Right, not talking about vast cotton, linen, hemp, and the like. That's it's a, different, a whole nother. Yeah, it's a whole it's different a whole show. Babe, like, so, yeah, so, you know, hang in there with us for that. So first, let's talk about um, how we deal with worsted weight
0: yarns versus woolen yarns. Worst, hang on. Let's just talk about the difference between worsted weight right. and worsted here, actually, right. because yes. it's that's a term that it, it's really confusing because we often talk about worsted weight as in a thickness of yarn. Correct. There's also worsted yarn, which is traditionally uh, a yarn that's been spun to be smooth and compact, one that's been made with a combed top preparation, all the fibers running parallel to each other and smoothed down as you spin it. Uh, It makes a wonderful knitting yarn because it creates beautiful definition in the stitching. It's also quite, um, uh, in comparison to a woolen yarn, which tends to be fluffier in area and lighter, the worsted yarn is more hard-wearing. There's less surface area uh, and less loose fibres, nothing short that can fluff out. Um, So it's a more hard-wearing yarn. The woolen yarn is a lot warmer and um makes great outerwear as well it, in in the way you finish them can be quite different it took me
1: a long time to get those terms straight quite honestly and how i remember them is woolen is woolly <laughs> like fuzzy <laughs> right and yep. um to produce the woolen yarn it's a carded prep yep. and when you card it kind of jumbles the fibers versus in a comb top it's just like combing your hair you're combing it out to make it nice and smooth but yeah. how i how i remembered it for a long time was woolen is woolly
0: <laughs> Wooly woolen. woolly yeah, woolly that, that's a good way to remember it too so
1: but the worsted or the combed preparation is the simpler of the two to deal with when you're done yeah
0: it's the one that we often start with um, when you begin spinning. Uh, you, you tend to spin from a commercial preparation and and you use the sort of inchworm forward drawer. Anyway, um, yeah, it's pretty straightforward finishing a, a worsted yarn. Um, the standard procedure, and I learned this years ago from my um, teacher, was uh, we would soak the yarn for, I don't know, 10 minutes in hand-hot water and it's amazing, you can actually watch it I've got a video on this uh, on the, on the um, YouTube channel actually you can actually watch the fibres just relax and open up um, and it, it almost looks softer when you put this into the water you can, if you watch it closer, you can see it all sort of bloom and open out and just like we do in the bath, you, know, you just relax and, and then you take it out of that hot water and you drop it into cold water and that shock of the temperature change actually the the scales have opened up in the hot water and what happens when you drop it into the cold water is it closes them back up again and they kind of mesh in together and create a more stable surface it's not something that's going to change the character of the yarn it doesn't felt it unless you agitate it it's not going to felt it it just gives it a little bit more stability on the surface and Uh, It also gives it the opportunity to bloom. So a lot of um, wool fibers particularly, when you treat it this way, will actually bloom and sort of expand, and it gives your yarn a nice kind of roundy, soft look, makes it squishy. So it's a great way to finish it.
1: So one little hack that I would interject into that. Mm -hmm. Uh, is in the old days when I did a fair amount of traveling and I had excess little travel size bottles of shampoo and conditioner that I did not use on my hair. I did save it for this purpose. I would yeah. use the, you know, it's like, you know, wool is hair, right? So I would use yeah. the shampoo from the Hilton Hotel. And then if it was scratchy wool, I would put a little conditioner on it too at
0: the end. Conditioner often helps that to actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just helps it smooth itself down. <coughs> and of course, it, it rinses out in the cold bath. It also, what it also does by putting a little bit of soap in the water, um, it just increases the absorption of the water into the fiber as well. So um, you could also use uh, wool wash, that kind of thing. But I, sure. I tend to use less rather than more mm-hmm. when I do that. Now, woolen, carded prep, what do you do there? Carder prep. Now that's interesting because the carder prep has long and short fibers, so it tends to have the you know the more ends sticking out of the um, of the yarn, and it's traditionally spun longer as well. So it's just by nature a lot fluffier, and that's when we start to thwack. And this is the other thing my teacher told me years ago, and I was a little bit uncertain about whether I really wanted to beat my yarn. But thwacking is basically you take one end of your skein and you hit it against a wall. This is when it's wet. Hit it against a wall or something some solid surface, a bench top. Um, remember it's going to splash because it's wet when you're doing this. Um, it seems brutal. You don't have to do a lot of it, like you don't need to stand there for 10 minutes thwacking it. Give it a couple of thwacks, turn it, give it a couple more thwacks. And what this does is it actually enhances the fluffiness. And this also works if you if you're making a mohair yarn and you want to bring out the fluffiness of the mohair, give it a good thwack and it just lets all those ends loose in the yarn itself to pop out and give it that little sort of fluffy, woolly halo that it gets. So it seems brutal, but it actually makes the yarn more gentle sort of has the opposite effect it doesn't make it um, hard
1: let's go back to before the thwacking when your um the initial washing is taking place so i had done a little reading about this um this week and one of the books that i was looking at (laughs) this was interesting it said to hot soapy water first and then it said to get a sink plunger Mm-hmm. Like to unclog, you know, and actually use the sink plunger on the yarn to sort of agitate it around a little bit. Yeah. Then put it in cold water, then back in hot water. Use the sink plunger again, and then rinse it and spin out the water, and then do the the smacking.
0: Yeah, is that necessary? Well, yeah. All that if if I'm going to thwack, I'll definitely do the hot cold first. That that's my process that I always do: hot cold. If you, if you wanted to full it further, then you would agitate it. And I, I've seen, oh, I saw a video of someone doing that with the plunger. Um, it works very well. It's just if you overdo it, it's going to felt it, that's all. Yeah. So you kind of need to know your fibre and you need to know how far you can go with that. But honestly, I've actually found that a little bit of, Swishing and um, some hot cold is generally all that I need to get my yarn how I want it.
1: One little important thing to note though is that if the yarn is for the purpose of weaving, keep in mind mm. that if you're going to full the woven cloth, do not full the yarn first.
0: Yep, yep. So let's just talk a little bit about the difference between fulling and felting. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> there's kind of a fine line between the two things Fulling is kind of like where you've allowed the fibre to, to bloom You've allowed those scales to open up and sort of reclose and grab onto each other And it's kind of like a surface felting So it's only the surface or the outside that actually gets fulled. When you're felting it tends to go Right through the yarn. So if you get a piece of yarn and felt it, it becomes a, d- a different structure. It um, becomes more solid and it becomes harder and less flexible. So there's kind of a fine line between when do you finish filling and when do you start felting. So it's and it's interesting to watch this with uh, with weaving. It's actually um, finishing a weaving as important as you know making the weaving again because of the same thing you, you need to actually allow the fibers to mesh together <coughs> especially if you're making something like a blanket or cloth that you're going to cut and sew. you want to allow the fibers that you've pushed into the into the weave to open up and grab onto each other so it gives a sort of more coherent finish to the cloth. And, and removes any little gaps as the yarn blooms inside the weave. If you've already pre, pre-fold your yarns or even set the twist in your yarns, they don't bloom quite as well in, inside the weave. What
1: about art yarns? What different things do you do when you are finishing
0: your art yarns? Yeah, that, that's a, a tricky one. A lot of people um, uh, worry about wrecking their out yarn if they wet finish it (coughs) Uh, so um, steaming is another way you can set yarns so if you have a steamer you can literally hold your skein over the steam and it does the same thing it opens up the scales and then as it cools they close back down again and you can watch it happening again as, as you steam um, personally, I, I tend not to steam, and so I apply this to my art yarns as well. And I've actually found it improves the art yarns to get them wet. So you've got this, you know, lovely beehive yarn with these nice big puffy beehives, and you, you know, as soon as you get it wet, they're going to go all sort of flat and floppy and lose their lose their shape. So it's kind of scary to drop that into a into a bucket of hot water. And watch that happen, but what I've actually found is when you um when you take that and put it into the cold water again, it just gives it that surface structure. so the beehives will bloom, they'll puff right out, and improves their structure tremendously because it gives them that sort of big extra bit of a puffy boost when they dry. Um, and that little bit of fulling that they get on the surface actually makes it a lot less delicate. Um, beehives that are not finished properly will have such a delicate surface because it's quite a, a large um, open surface with a lot of fibre in it. Um, what happens is it gets quite delicate and it will pill really easily or bits of fluff will catch and come out. So a good bit of hot and cold finish on that kind of yarn will actually improve the structure and the texture of it as well. So I always drop it in, in my hot bath and um, and give it the treatment. And the same with lock spun as well. You see all these lovely sort of locky textures and the tips sticking out or um, tail spun yarn. Again, that that's also improved when you hot, cold finish it Um Because it helps those locks get sort of stick back together and take up their original form, so even if they got a bit fluffy, it will help to take them out of the bath and hang them up and just let those locks hang down, and uh, and they'll form the tips back up again really well. So, um, yeah, and this is just my (laughs) go-to hot cold bath. It's boring but true.
1: And then we get to the controversial step that sometimes happens afterwards, which is blocking
0: or tension setting. Yeah, yeah, this comes up a lot online. I see often on Facebook discussions about, you know, how do I weight my yarn or should I weight my yarn? What happens if if you've over-twisted a yarn or under-twisted it you End up with something that's not balanced, and it can be quite unsatisfying as a spinner to have a yarn that when you hold the skein up, it has you know six twists going around because you've over twisted it. You know, if that's the case, I'd actually be tempted to put it back through the wheel and remove a little bit of twist, uh, rather but than but you got to do it. that
1: before you wash it.
0: You do have to do it before you wash it, yeah. And and see, that's oh, you could do it afterwards and then re wash it, keep the tension on it, might help. Um, sometimes you don't know until you've washed it Whether it's balanced or not If you've had the yarn, the singles sitting on the bobbins for two weeks They will have actually lost a lot of their energy And a lot of that twist has relaxed So when you ply it so that it looks well-plied It might come off the the wheel looking over-plied Because it's lost the energy in the singles when you wash that again, that energy comes back, it returns and and it will come out of the wash relaxed and balanced. So you don't always know how balanced your yarn is until you've actually washed it, especially if it's been sitting so if you have one single that's been sitting on the bobbin for a month and you've just spun the other single, it's really difficult to judge if that's going to be balanced or not until it's washed. Never I have a dog
1: in the background, by the way. <laughs> I would <laughs> Sorry.
0: propose,
1: however, that if you have the intention of selling your yarn, if you tension set it, you gotta tell a buyer yeah. or don't tension set it because yeah. people think they're getting a balanced
0: yarn and they're not and it's not gonna behave the way they expect. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly true. I think um The thing with weighting the yarn If if you want to use the yarn for yourself And you want to make it easy to handle um, Easy to store Then you can hang it up when it's wet Put a weight on the bottom of it Basically it blocks the skein So that it hangs straight The trouble with that is As soon as you use it and wash it in an item It can bias that item Especially if you've knitted it Uh, because the twist will come back uh, and the yarn will want to return to its its natural state so it it will bias the knitting and and if you're using it yourself and you know that then it's okay you can also block your knitting yourself and and you're anticipating it if you're selling it of course that's a different story and you need to be able to tell your customers this was over twisted and that energy might come back so please make a swatch first and wash it and so on but um, I, I tend to only do that if I was using the yarn myself. Or yeah. uh you know, if you if you're weaving singles, um that would probably be the only time I would block some uh, not block something, um uh, set a, a twist on a single before I weave it, just because it makes it easier to handle. So but, but also for you, I think you had said that singles is where you
1: are most apt to fall. Uh, but not yep. so much
0: plied yarns. Plied yarns, I just give the hot cold. That's that's all they need. The singles, I've got a really cool trick for singles, and I learnt it from Pat Old, uh, one of our um, cleverest spinners here in New Zealand. Uh, Pat has a book out uh, called In a Spin. I'm not sure if it's still in print, but it's absolutely brilliant. It's got everything you ever need to know about making yarn. What's it called, Susie? It's called In a Spin by Pat Old. Uh, I can see if she's still got copies of it. Um, It goes right through from, you know, washing your fibre, selecting your fibre right through. It talks about what and worsted. It's got all the basic fundamentals, but then she gets into sort of really interesting things like how to... uh, Create a balanced Single She Actually mentions in here that um, You know She likes a challenge And if someone says to her You can never actually take the energy Out of a singles yarn She wants to find out If that's true or not And Pat is one of these people She will experiment Quite um, In a very structured way To figure things out So And she often comes up with These uh, sort of gems of Of information From her experimentation So So You know, in a way it's true, if you have a singles yarn, the twist is all going in one direction no matter what you do with it, the twist is going in one direction, it's never going to be balanced out by twist going the opposite direction with the ply however, Pat has developed, well I don't know if she's developed it, but she's certainly shared this way that she's found for creating a singles yarn that doesn't have extra energy in it, it hangs as a balanced yarn and when you wash it, the twist does not come back to it, so it remains balanced and stable and what she does is she fools it very slightly on the outside surface and I've made a video to go with this, so I'll put a link um, with our podcast for anyone that wants to see basically what she does is she gets the skein puts it in water, she adds a bit of soap uh, and then you take that skein and you put it on a, on a swift and as as it's still damp, not dripping, but damp, dripping is not fun, Um, and then you wind that off onto your nitty-noddy or onto a ball winder, and as you're winding it, you're actually running your fingers over the surface of it. So one hand's winding, the other hand is smoothing that yarn, and what's happening is as you're running that yarn through your fingers, it's starting to just slightly felt the outside surface of it, and then it's a little time-consuming, Then you return it to the swift and you repeat the process. And I've found doing that twice is generally enough. It's amazing. You actually can see the yarn start to to have this um, nice, relaxed feel to it. The kinks disappear. um, It it smooths it off. It, It makes it very consistent as well. It really helps with any sort of inconsistencies in the twist. Um, and by the time you've done that a couple of times, you can take that skein off the knitting, off the skein sc- of the swift, and it will hang like a beautifully balanced single. Um, I've done it. I had some fine singles, um, and I've done that like three or four times on on the single and it just came out beautiful. And it's quite different from felting a single. If you felt a single like with with a plunger <laughs> in a sink and agitate it, the single actually becomes a lot more compact and it feels different. It changes the feel of it. With this surface filling running up between your fingers, it actually stays very soft because it's just on the outside that you're giving it this treatment. So um, that is a really, um, it's a slightly time-consuming but really reliable way of treating a single so that it becomes manageable. It's, it's really a great uh, a great method. And the only times I haven't used it is on like really big bulky singles, but I don't see why it wouldn't work on that as well. Obviously, it also works best on feltable wool. So, um, you know, you wouldn't really want to do it with the downbreed's. You could use, um, you know, I've used it with Merino and Polworth and Corydell, and it works particularly well with those. So, um, yeah, ho- hopefully, um, anyone that's interested will, will pop over and have a look at the little video. It's just a five minute video showing the technique. Um, works really well. And the other thing that Pat goes on to in her book, which is really interesting and something I'm going to start experimenting with as well, is um, she's actually moves then on to actual felting. And she's done some experiments with felting things like, you know, hand-spun boucle. What happens when you felt that? What happens when you felt um, uh, applied yarn or a th- or an auto-wrapped yarn that has a thread around it that won't felt? What happens to that? So there's all kinds of experiments you can do to continue creating artistic yarns even after it's spun. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a cool concept. That is cool. That is cool. Yeah people have
1: a lot of fun with that idea
0: yeah yeah a lot of a lot of ways you can experiment
1: so are you ready to move off of yarns and on to the next topic yes okay so our next topic is about knitwear um well maybe i should just say things made with loops because it would also apply to crochet but um some people do and some people don't i do um i do i would say if you're not satisfied then try blocking in fact i think in my knit group they have a saying block it out whatever's wrong with it block it out it fixes Um, everything if you have made a swatch it's great actually to then use your swatch to see how the blocking process is going to go if you have that much patience uh you can check for color fastness yarn memory Heat tolerance, is it going to shrink? Is it going to grow? So your swatch would help you there. Um, it's nice, you know. A lot of the things that we've already said about um, washing in uh, water. Uh, now you're now if you're talking commercial yarns, soap is important here because a little bit of soap, because you've got oils, dyes. All kinds of things they put on the commercial yarns uh, that you want to start getting out gently, start getting out. They do tend to yellow um, the colors, Um, so it's that's important. That step is important. Um, Having something to lay the finished product on, Uh, some people use like old screens. I have a set of um, mats that I bought off of knit picks, like. 15 years ago that I'm still using. Rust-proof pins are important. Um, if it's a fitted garment, you want to have the measurements handy, a tape measurement handy. And um, blocking wires is something some people love to use to help it with the shape. So basically, you know, much like we've talked about with the yarns, you know, you're putting water into a tub. Um, letting the garment soak, using
0: a little bit of soap. Water should not be too hot. I was just going to say, coming back to the the color bleed potential, and this is a hand spun as well as uh, commercial yarns, if you get it too hot, especially too hot and soap, um, it's likely you'll trigger some dye bleed. Yeah. So I wouldn't go more than hand hot with it. It doesn't mean that it's been badly dyed. It's just getting it back up to that Temperature that it's died at, right? Um, you know the eighty degrees and so on. Um, it, you don't want it to bleed. So after
1: you've um, finished with that part, uh, what I normally do, what a lot of people do, is you squeeze the water out, and then you place it in some towels and you roll it up, and you um, push on the towel, the towel, the sausage, the towel sausage. Step on it, whatever. Um, to get the water into the uh, towels. Another thing that's kind of nice to have is they sell these small portable spinners um, that you can put your item in, you plug it in, you close the lid, it's got a tube at the bottom that has to be like fed into a sink, and then you Maybe set it for five minutes or what have you, and it spins, and it's only for yeah. the purpose of spinning
0: out water. So it's like a centrifuge. Yeah. We we got one. I had one in Holland. It was great. Uh, apparently, it was something they used to use there a lot for camping, and so you could pick one up for like ten ten euros, um, mm-hmm. secondhand. And mm-hmm. so it was one of the best things I ever bought. So good.
1: Um, and then you you know you lay it out and you let it dry, and so in terms of the laying out part. Uh, you know, that's where your rust proof pins come in, you know, you're shaping the garment and pinning it down to your surface where you're going to dry it. Um, and then you wait, wait (laughs) till it's dry. And, uh, it, I I don't see why people, I understand it's a matter of patience, but like for even a shawl, a lace shawl, it is so different before it's blocked. It's so different and it's so beautiful. After it's blocked, you know, it's relaxed, it's open, it's you see it makes holes, all the difference in the world. Better. So, yeah. now I knit a lot of socks, so I wanted to interject a few things about my history of sock blocking. Um, in the beginning, I was fascinated by all the fancy wooden and plastic and metal sock blockers that you can make. That some are the cool shapes, there. right? Yeah. There's really neat ones. And I had to have them, and I did use that in the beginning uh, and and the nice part about doing that is, especially if they're a gift, they look great because they're perfectly shaped. But after that, never again there we go and actually, for myself, I don't bother. I just need a look. I just lay them out nicely yeah. in the beginning, the first time, probably. so after that. I don't block. I just hang them over the line and let them dry. Mm. Now, a lot of times, commercial sock yarns are made like 80-20. They're like 80 uh, wool and 20% nylon. So, nonetheless, if you wear the same pair over time in, in, you know, shoes, sneakers, or what have you, um, you get a little felting. You just get a little felting from the pressure and the heat and the moisture of your foot, uh, which is nice. I like that part too. But some of those that have that nylon in it, I even sometimes throw them in the dryer because
0: <laughs> I'd be they terrified to do that. seem to manage
1: okay. Um, fine. Hmm. Especially if when I knit them, they might be a little big, a um, right. little bigger than I might like. Uh, then I. Kind of, it's just for me, so I don't so you've mind. you've literally got have, a lot of wiggle room in there. Yeah, if they have so a little wiggle room. Your, I'm no stranger, stranger to the dryer to get them a little tighter. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really very laissez-faire at this point about all of that.
0: I no know that longer. because you can knit your own socks. I, you know, this is me that doesn't knit socks, that <laughs> treats every hand-knitted sock like a precious treasure.
1: They're not so precious <laughs> in my world because I have yeah. a lot of them. Um, <laughs> after the first time... I'm, yeah. I'm brutal,
0: but I guess on them. that you know having that freedom to do that, you've discovered that you can actually do that without having any problems with it, which is a, a really good and interesting discovery because it makes. Well, it the important easier. part is that it has
1: twenty percent nylon in it. Yeah, if it was yeah. I, you know, if it was regular hundred percent wool, you can't get away with so much. You have to play by the rules a little mm. more. Yeah, so. Anyway,
0: um, let's talk about hand weaving.
1: Woven yarn, woven
0: pieces. You know, that, that's another area. Uh, like, I do a lot of freeform weaving and I use a lot of art yarns in my weaving. So, it's always um, for, for me a question is I know if I'm making something that's going to be used as a wall hanging. There's no need to wash things To set everything Or even just to full the weaving It's just going to be How I wove it And that's actually how I want it If I've got a lot of art yarns In my freeform weaving I don't necessarily want to put that through The washing machine And and full it like I would If I was making cloth um, It's just going to go up on the wall And it's never going to be washed again Hopefully Um And then everything stays put, and I keep the definition between every different bit of yarn in there. Whereas if you you full it, um, you lose some of that definition in in the yarns that you've used. So um, it's really a very individual thing with hand weaving, if it's going to be washed and filled or not. But if it's cloth... To make if it's cloth, then I think you you yeah yeah you got to do it you do starting and and I actually found not only the the washing um, and the agitation to bond the 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 cloth together, but also um, I, I would lay a towel on my ironing board, put my weaving on there, put a towel over the top of that, and iron it while it's damp. And that Do you a actually difference to it as move well. the
1: iron back and forth, or are you just talking about laying the iron down uh, in spots that's, and uh, moving it? Because I put
0: a towel over the top of the weaving as well. You I'm really iron. You really iron. Interesting. And literally just ironing it, and it really it smooths it out, it flattens it, and it just gives it a nice surface. I don't mm-hmm. know if this is something that everybody does. It's something I was told was a great idea, and it works really well for me. Um, so for the cloth, definitely that... that
1: um, See, because I wouldn't the move finishing. the iron back
0: and forth. What's
1: that? I, I wouldn't move the iron back and forth, even with the protection right. of the towel. Yeah. I would be more apt to just, just press, press down and yeah. pick up and move on. Yeah. Um, so the cloth, if it's if it's cloth for a garment, it's not going to re- reach its full potential without the wet finishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that includes, if it's commercial yarns, you've got to start with some type of a scour like we just talked about to remove those oils and waxes, um, and that will improve the drape and the handle, that particular process, and then going on to agitation that we've already discussed. Um, and agitation with, the, with wool and cloth could mean not just agitation, like swirling it around, but it could also be Hounding, pressing, yeah. uh, stepping on it. What's that yeah. term? Walking. W a u k i n g. W a u. Yeah. So this W-A-U-K-I-N-G. is actually of all like the things that we do in fiber, this is the one that makes me feel the most connected to history. The history yeah. is dealing with the woolen cloth in the same way that it would have been done, you know, five hundred yeah. years ago. And then finally, we just talked about a minute ago compression with heat. Uh, which if you were to do that right on the cloth without pr- the protection of your towel, you could create a shine that you do
0: not want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the point of that. Yeah. That, that walking the cloth one, there's that lovely video that goes around Facebook every once in a while of those women. Yeah. Is it in and Scotland? with the song. and, and Yeah, they've, yeah they've, they've got the song that goes with it and the rhythm and they're passing this cloth. And I guess, you know, for them, especially in, in the northern parts of the UK, it gets so cold. They really, really want that to be well meshed cloth that's nice and thick and doesn't let the breezes through so they're really looking to to felt it down and and make it into something that's going to be super warm you can see how that would work really well with that kind of method
1: yeah they say that um it helps the quote the yarns find their proper place in the weave structure i thought that was an interesting way of looking at it I know that finishing takes a little patience whenever we complete something we're so excited and we just want it to be the last part but I find the finishing rather exciting
0: I like it yeah at, at the moment my current work in progress I'm making a, a shawl it's a one and done shawl from Casapanko I think it is and it's a shawl. It's got a nice, simple pattern, which means I can do it. Um, and it's got a, a knit three, pearl three rib, the whole thing. Uh-huh. So it's quite kind of, you know, stretchy and, and lumpy at the moment as that rib's doing what it's supposed to do. It looks great, but... I really want to finish and block it to see how it's actually gonna look. I you know, I'm knitting it and, and I'm looking at it now and sort of trying to stretch it out to see how it's gonna look when it's done. So that's something I'm really looking forward to is actually um finishing it and blocking it. I'm um working on your Christmas present. Ooh, oh
1: that's exciting. <laughs> I got organized this week and I I I determined (laughs) what I because I have to get started early because I have so many different people that I make things for, and I have to come up with new ideas every year. (laughs) And um, especially uh, my husband and I have a tradition that we do always make something for each other for Christmas.
0: Yeah, and
1: the the one rule is you're not supposed to spend any money. So um, I typically make him socks for Christmas. So I do have to get out in front of that. I'm actually doing something different this year, but, yeah, I um, I this this is the first year that I can remember actually getting started in August, so I'm I'm rather pleased with myself. That is very very organized. So it's not going to be a last minute rush knit at the end of the year. <laughs> no, but I have to do yours first because I have to leave so much time for it to get there.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. The shipping is slow, but you know you do have a little bit of leeway, knowing that I'm actually always late. <laughs> Getting anything This done. is true. This <laughs> Your is true. Christmas present usually arrives for like Valentine's Day, right? <laughs> yeah. It comes sometime. It's always worth the wait. <laughs> no, it's nice to be able to make things. Do remember we did a, a blog post a, a few years back about um, gifting handmade items? And yeah. We should come back with a, a podcast about that. because We should. We yeah. have rules. Yeah. I mean, people that make things, we love to give, you know, something we've made to other people but you, you've got to choose the person well don't you, you got to choose someone you know is yes. going to appreciate all that time you put into it yeah Yes, All right, sometimes. well, I think at the moment we are waiting on shipping next week for our next issue of Tiny Studio Creative Life magazine, so that's kind of exciting happening at the moment. Mm. And It's we've, the dark we, side, right? We have a cunning plan. Yes, it's the dark side is the theme. I'm really looking forward to sharing <laughs> this magazine. It's got some wonderful articles, really inspirational stuff about... <laughs> not just about the dark side it's about inspiration in the dark we've got a, a lovely article from Celine about that we've got um someone's guilty pleasures i was going to say <laughs> i know one <laughs> somebody that did some
1: true confessions in that episode in that issue it's
0: brilliant and we've got some rule bla- breaking as well like you know i i i tend to like breaking rules to find out what will happen and i'm not the only one uh um Debbie Held has also written an excellent article on breaking rules with projects, which is very cool. And so there's a really good variety. And and my cunning plan is I'm actually shipping the uh, New Zealand and Australian um, issues first. It took so long to get here now, this this first issue. Of course, with the first print issue, we, we didn't know how long it was going to take. We had estimates. And at the moment with COVID, those estimates are very vague. So we didn't really know. They've just started arriving with issue 11 in New Zealand now, so it's pretty exciting. And I'm already getting ready to send out the next one. So hopefully by probably issue 14, 13, 14, we will have our our shipping worked out so that everyone gets it around about the same time. I, so it's a gradual process. but um, I have to say that
1: I never get over the excitement And the joy of the pictures that people post in the Facebook group when they get their magazine, and how they photograph it, and what they pair it with, and they say where they're from,
0: and anyway, I love that. It's wonderful to see, like, it's really global, it's just popped up in lots of different places, and... There was one of my favorite photos was one of the early issues that arrived in the UK and um she took a photo of it with the with the farm in the background it was just gorgeous absolutely beautiful yes. so yeah that was very, beautiful very I remember that one. to see that ar- arriving places maybe as, you as, could put, put some property. of those in the magazine so you know yes. people could
1: be beyond the Facebook group with their cool photos
0: well I definitely would like to make like a um a, a gallery in the in the Facebook group if we can still do that they keep changing things on Facebook I we'll have to Investigate that they that. do. That yeah, they it'd do. be nice to have a collection of them. But I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward to seeing the new cover being photographed new places now. So yes, and the new cover is absolutely spectacular. I, I just love it, love it to bits. So I've posted that on the Facebook group. So anyone that's listening, um, if you want a sneak peek, pop over to the um, Fibre Goodness Tiny Studio uh, Facebook group, and um, we do post little sneak peeks on there. So they're up. At the moment, there'll be a few more coming. So, well, I think we're done, and, and hopefully, we'll be yes. back properly in a month's time.
1: What I think next, we should do the the, the, the knitting 10%. for gifts or the yeah. the crafting for gifts
0: next time. I think well, that'll be good. It's just that time of year. Where I'm sure you're not the only one that's trying to get in early with um, making stuff for Christmas. So, I'll use that. And as we can
1: share some of our little ideas that we, some successes we've had in the past.
0: Definitely. All right. Thanks, everyone, for for joining us. Thank you, Yeah. Thank you, Susie. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Tiny Fibery Talks and Tiny Studio Creative Life magazine are proud to be sponsored by amazing spinning wheel makers, Madja Craft and Daedalus Spinning Wheels.